yo lovelies, it is I myself, Kid V, with the heart of thunder, with the main shooter, Monty Aries. You know who it is, it's the guys you love, it is the neighborhood. Alright, here we go! Yeah, hey, it's all good in the neighborhood, hey, break bread in the neighborhood, hey, lunch days in the neighborhood, shoot shots all day in the neighborhood, yeah. It's all good in the neighborhood. Hey, break bread in the neighborhood. Hey, lunch stays in the neighborhood. Shoot shots all day in the neighborhood. Hey, oh, lovelies. It is I, myself, Kid V, with a heart of thunder. And of course, besides me is my co host, my tag team partner, my brother, Monty Aries. Yes, sir. What it do? What it do, man? How's everybody doing? How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. And I hope all the lovelies, all of our neighbors are doing just fine as well. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. So. We're coming at y'all with something different. Something new. Something new. And this is something. So, like, when uh, I was at work, there was a few times where I was, like, listening to the uh, Eric Bischoff podcast. Mm -hmm. um, And he did a watch along of one of the, like, episodes. I think it was the Monday Night Raw episode of when Raw beat WCW in the rankings and the ratings. And um, it was just cool. It was, like, dope to listen to the them play it on air so yeah. you'd like hear the audio right like how we're gonna plug it in here and you know they gave the the audience well if you're gonna listen and watch too you know here you know we're gonna start at this point right we're gonna pause at this point and they would take time in between to like pause and give some thoughts and be like oh damn i didn't know that blah 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 yeah and then get back into it um and it's it's cool whether or not uh, the listeners get to listen right. or I mean get to watch it while we watch it with us or if they're just like listening to on the freaking road you right. know um, well we'll throw the description uh, yeah 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 so description yeah so the link uh, to the YouTube video that we're gonna put up uh, in the description and uh, real quick uh, just to give the YouTube uh, credit it's called uh, the YouTube channel is called biography literally just biography um they have they do a whole bunch of different biographies they have like like historical yeah, ones was, presidential ones your, all that stuff yeah a lot and, of history and everything like yeah, that so celebrities that, yeah so they do a lot of uh wrestling stuff too that's awesome um so we were trying to find something cool to watch and uh who who exactly to like really watch because they had a few they had uh sean michaels bret hart um ultimate oh, warrior right Stone Cold, Booker T, Piper, Piper, um, and they had like two different ones for uh, uh, Mick Foley. Yeah, uh, but I felt like Mick Foley was the better one because of like just how different his path was compared to all the other guys that were listed. Yeah, it's quite a adventure that he went on, quite a, a life journey, really. Nah, no bull. And like I told kid, I was like. He, his story is supposed to be that his story is legit. Like one of those underdog stories mm-hmm. where it's like he, the way that he was, the way that he looked, he didn't fit the status quo yeah. at the time, you know, and he still was able to make it to the top and like get the WWE championship yeah. and like beat everybody that freaking doubted him pretty much. You yeah. know, he was I'm, supposed to fail, but he didn't, right. you know, and, and that's hard work. That's determination. That's living for your dream no nah, hell yeah and i think that was very inspiring so i'm like you know out of all the lists all, all the people we had on the list that i felt like mcfoley was definitely the the better one and more interesting one yeah um and all of them 
not that length was really a problem because if we went or if like the documentary was like over an hour yeah we, we would have just made it a two-parter yeah easy um but this one's fairly like uh light on time it's about like 42 minutes um so that's about an average podcast that we drop anyway right um so and if it goes over a little bit it goes over a little bit but i just thought it would be something different something cool something fun we've been trying to bring different type of uh people on mm -hmm. as frequent as possible we had like few back to back with different guests yeah interviews after interviews yeah so now we're gonna be able to do something cool like this um i want to get like there's a couple other interviews i want to set up um we're gonna get adam on here nice. at one point shout out adam he mm -hmm. actually made a new intro for us um and he actually listens to a podcast yeah but we you, tried like mixing it in through the like voice memo he gave us i just feel like we'll rather have him come in live record it live yeah that way it sounds all like smooth and, and chill you know absolutely um, make it sound uh, make it sound how crisp you dig you dig because without that without us being this crisp mm-hmm it's all because of TJ Jordan. That was you. You struggled to get into. That I one. did. I did. I was trying. <laughs> but yes, thank you, thank you, TJ. That's my daddy. His daddy, not your daddy. Mm -mm. None of y'all's daddy. None of y'all. That's my daddy. And uh, no, it's it's this whole podcast, the whole tag team, everything that we've done has really been just a collaboration of fantastic people looking to help us out and wanting to. I, I don't know. Like I feel like a lot of people hop on and join along because they feel our energy. You know, they, they know that we're looking for a good time. Yeah. And I think they're all cool with that, you know? So. No, hell yeah, man. Straight up. So with that being said, again, uh, look up biography, the Mick Foley madman unmasked full documentary on YouTube link in the description. Yes, sir. And, uh, we're going to press play baby. All right. We had to hit the transition first. Yeah, of course. I, I hope y'all didn't press play. Yeah. Because we didn't press play yet. All right. So we're really about to press play. Everybody, press play on three. One, two, three. Ooh. Mmm. The old dude love. Seeing professional wrestler Mick Foley in action is seeing dementia unleashed. Wow. <laughs> That's what the f Jeez. I forgot. Yo, what? Foley. Hold up. Hold up. Mick Foley. We paused it real quick. Paused at 30 seconds. Mick Foley. They're showing all these clips of Mick Foley, dude. Taking crazy ass things. Holy like, crap. You forget. You like everyone remembers the big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Falling off the hell in a cell. Right. But then they just showed the freaking him getting smacked. What was the steel steps or something? Steel steps on the ramp. On the ramp on that. What the f when he was handcuffed and getting beaten in the head by that the rock with, with a chair. Oh my god. All right, all right. All right. All right. Press play on speaking. three, two. There's Terry Funk. He is getting his brains right. Look at look at how bent up that chair is. Because he shows up to do it all over again the next night. Damn. He said he was addicted to pain. 
something that is evident at any of the sold-out wrestling events in which Foley performed. The six-foot, two-inch, 300-pound Foley is an icon to legions of fans of the billion-dollar industry of professional wrestling. Oh, he's going to drop that elbow. He's been known as Dude Love, Cactus Jack, Mankind, and now a successful author. But mm -hmm. perhaps the least understood persona in Mick Foley's bag of personalities is the man himself. Mick Foley is an intelligent, articulate man who cares very much for his family. And his characters have nothing whatsoever to do with Mick. Nah, we just hit an ad. We just hit an ad. Lower that real quick. We'll talk over the ad. Um, uh, like, that's crazy to yeah. see. All that, like, Mick Foley, he was, like, no bull. They didn't even show any of his Japanese stuff either. No crap. No, no cap, bro. Bring that back up. The, the ad's coming back. I hope you guys paused. Um, we're going to press skip. And my cousin's calling me. Skipping. <laughs> All right. Those who knew him before he graced the covers of magazines say the seeds of Foley's fame were planted in a middle-class upbringing in New York's Long Island. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. His mother, Beverly, was a studious woman who encouraged young Mick to hone his creative talents. That's beautiful. Foley wrote vivid short stories and songs. He loved cartoons and the Chicago Bears. That's unfortunate. His father, at the time a high school, I was really rooting for this guy until then. Mick was a boisterous, self-assured kid, passionate about sports. Mick grew up in his house, and uh, one of the great things we had, we had a bunch of kids about his own age right here in the neighborhood. And uh, they got together one summer, and they set up uh, their own baseball league. And they played just about every day, they played wiffle ball. And uh, I used to watch them, and they, they just play self-directed, uh, no adults involved. As a child, Mick always Wiffle wanted ball. to be number yeah, one. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> would have not expected that. Completely different yeah. interests. Uh, growing up, we we both uh, uh, liked different sports, uh, had a different group of friends, and so on. I, I think the biggest thing with my brother is that everything was a competition. Uh, you know, if we had uh, my mm -hmm. parents got pizza for dinner, it became a pizza eating contest. <laughs> I'm pausing real quick. How many of y'all can relate to that? I mean, like, do you, did you like? We both got older brothers, or right. you got your your yeah, brother's yeah, older, yeah. right? Yeah. So we both got we're both a little brother. Yep. You know, uh, how did did you feel that way, like growing up with your brother? Like, because I kind of Always. had to. I was very similar with Foley when it came to like me and my older brother. We had different like f group of friends, different like interests. Like we 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 had the same interest in and in wrestling, but then when he went through his phase of like phase uh, not being in wrestling anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was still, it was just uh, that. And then even in school, he'd be getting good grades. So I, I'd be trying to get a good grade. He got accepted to the vote. I was trying to get accepted to the vote, you know, like that type of deal. Right. Did you ever have that with your bro? We would have to have a whole episode on my relationship. <laughs> like seriously, like it's, it's complex. Yeah. Um, yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I hung out in the same circles. Uh, we liked the same things. Um, it became kind of more of the hierarchy of the friends group. Okay. I was always just his lackey. 
Mm. I was kind of the butt of all of his jokes. Mm -hmm. But because everyone would laugh with him and uh, with it, I started telling those same jokes, being very self-deprecating. Yeah. And that's where I've got my sense of humor now. <laughs> uh, I, I blame it completely on that. But um, once he graduated, all of our friends were actually between our ages. Oh, okay. So it was my brother was the oldest, a whole bunch of people in between us, and then me. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were all like one grade above me, one grade below him. And when he left, then it was kind of like, Oh, they kind of get to see me standing on my own two legs. Yeah. You know, because if Mikey was somewhere, I was somewhere. Right, you know? right, right. Him and I were real close, but we always did things, for the most part, together. Right. Whether we be in competition with each other or, or whatnot, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if we got deep into that, that that's, that's, a, a, that's a story. That's another podcast that's, episode. That's a whole another podcast episode. Now, yeah. So, but, but that, I wanted to pause it because I, I, I always felt that way, you right. know, but you can relate to it. Yeah, exactly. So we're pressing play on 315. Here we and go. Three, two, one. Junior high school that's got a shine in their eye that you know there's just something a little askew and that this kid is going to go on to do something great. He tried playing several organized sports, basketball, football, and track, but Foley liked wrestling, especially professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. The spectacle of the sport intrigued him. He saw his heroes like Jimmy Superfly Snuka getting the glory <laughs> yeah. and the women, and Foley wanted the same. He joined the wrestling team his senior year in high school. Because of his size, 215 pounds, he won most of his matches. Losing was a painful experience. To be pinned in front of your friends, you know, in front of girls that you were interested in, it was a very humbling experience and a great growing experience. And, uh, and obviously without that little background, I wouldn't have pursued my Stu was wearing flannels since he was a jit. Oh yeah. A darker side to the bright kid from Setucket. Another ad. Sorry guys, we're gonna bring that down real quick. Uh, but it's crazy how he stayed true to the to the gimmick though. Oh yeah. You know. All right, back on it. Foley, built like a bowling pin, tested his limits <laughs> through outrageous behavior. Hold on. Pausing at 4.30. Do that a pause. Yo, they low-key doing them dirty with this Why narrating. They do them that dirty. There was no reason. They, they said built something. like a bowling pin. <laughs> they even said something about him being dementia or something. Right. Oh my god. That's bad, dude. Jeez. Alright, alright. Press and play at four minutes and thirty seconds. Three, two, one. And he would start by he'd come over and get on his fours and eat dog food. Or actually go over to the fridge and say, What do you have for lunch? And instead of grabbing a sandwich or something, he would grab Alpo and spoon it out of the can and eat it. Now that's Jeez. not physical pain, but in a sense it's pain because it's so nasty. He played lacrosse. He was a lacrosse goalie and he never wore a jock strap and so Many never wore shoulder pads, always would get hit and would be proud of his black and blue marks because he never wore shoulder pads or a cup or any chest protection. So that, you know, those balls come pretty hard and they're, they are hard. So that's what she saw. Mm. <laughs> the lumbering teenager felt awkward around girls and wanted desperately to impress them. He used bizarre antics to get attention, not so much from his friends, but from the girls. He was friends with them, but they weren't interested in him sexually. And that, like, 
with any kid would frustrate you. His reaction to that would be these episodes to say, well, you know, I am not a loser. You know, this is what I do. I can inflict pain upon myself. I can take it more. I'm crazier than anybody else. This reminds and, me of you, dude. that wound up pushing him away more than it would <laughs> bring him closer That female to one reminded me yeah, of that freaking... athletics. I couldn't make any headway yet with the girls. I mean, that was a re recurring theme in my life. I couldn't figure it out. Uh, uh, I thought I was a, a nice guy, you know, borderline charming, you know, borderline tell a story, and, and there was no interest. Fully responded like by me. getting creative, <laughs> a tactic that would serve him well throughout his life. I created a character who, to me, was everything that a guy should be. You know, he got the girls. He dude Love, like dude. Boxes. This is where Dude Love came from. Shaped tattoo on his chest, and and uh, I created him and made him in a home movie. The movie was shot following a particularly horrifying date Foley had when he was 18. I'm gonna pause this real quick at 6:30. Um, that's insane, <laughs> right? Which, no, which, not which, like which I just thought about something. Which I was part? like. No, nah, because the way that he came up with Dude Love. Yeah. This like, is, that's, like, really dope. In my opinion, it's really dope. Yeah. Because, like, he used something from his childhood that, that inflicted, that hurt him. Right. And he turned that into a positive and then became this gimmick. It's very Von Gogh. Yeah. You know, like, he was a very, like, so, you, you of course, the painter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he had a very tortured life, you know, dealt with a whole lot of stuff his whole life, and yet he created these visual masterpieces. Mm -hmm. Mick Foley did the same thing. He well, just all took, his gimmicks. It, it was just the pain that he had and turned it into something that people could rally behind and, and get behind. And that's that's why the characters speak true. And that's why it's like every, that's why every different gimmick is so believable yes you know when dude love is completely different from mick foley mick foley is completely different from mankind mankind is completely different from cactus jack absolutely it's insane this yeah. man is genius all right i'm pressing play on 631 and three two one it's great being around her i walked her home i held her hand and uh she gave me a good night kiss and uh she then said goodnight and called me by the wrong name. That sent mm. him crazy. Mm. He always used to get called the wrong names, and people never got his name right. They called him Nick. They called him Rich. She called him Frank. That really Ooh. hit home with him, and he said, Damn. well... That's not even close, right? I, I need to do something to let people know that I'm not Frank. I am Mick Foley. I'm not a loser. I'm a potential superstar. So he came up with this idea, and Mick wrote the script. It was The Legend of Frank Foley. The movie and the sequel shot six months later was about a professional wrestler named Dude Love, a persona created by Foley to combat his insecurity with women. Dude Love was always the man. Uh, look at him right the there, though. Like, like way the different. The big finish of the second film comes when Foley, playing Dude Love, climbs on top of Danny Zucker's garage. Foley wanted to imitate a move made by one of his wrestling heroes, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Weeks earlier, Foley had hitchhiked to Madison Square Garden oh, to see Snuka perform his famous cage leap. That's sure dope. Enough, he dove off the top of the cage uh, to Don Morocco. I was about uh, to say that's against Don Morocco. At that moment, that I, there was no doubt in my life that I was going to 
be a pro wrestler, at least uh, give it my best trying. You know, Snuka lost that match. Yeah. Snuka yeah. was a professional, leaping less than a dozen feet to a canvas ring. Foley, not even an amateur, yeah, was about right. to jump 16 feet oh to my God. mattress placed on boxes on top of an asphalt driveway. But Foley wanted to capture the daring stunt on film. Are we about to see that? His friends put down Probably. cardboard boxes nah, and nah, a mattress nah. oh, yeah. and waited. Oh, yeah. He goes up for the big swan dive, and he jumps off the roof, and he lands on the boxes, and we are all flabbergasted that he did this. But the bad part about it was the guy who was filming it never got it on tape. What? Oh, what? We kind of That's bullshit. Oh, man. Again. And this time, you know, we make sure we have the camera and everything set. And oh, he does shoot. this dive. Oh, oh. Ah, uh, safe. Safely gifted. It was safe. Not jump yep. high, but uh, I could jump off of high places. Uh, <laughs> the tape began circulating among mixed friends and professional wrestling fans on geez. Long Island. <laughs> It was Man. a cult hit. A cult When the movie hit. came out, they oh. sort of kept it away from us for a while. Uh, <laughs> but finally, when he looked at it, I looked at it and know a little bit about sports medicine. I'm saying myself there, but for the grace of God, goes a quadriplegic. Mm. The dangerous movie stunt would soon prove to be the spark to ignite Foley's fledgling career. A promoter saw the tape. Oh. Anyone crazy enough to jump off a roof, he thought, might have what it takes to become a professional wrestler. So, oops. all right, we got an ad. All right. Um, so yeah, he jumped on uh, the promoter. The uh, promoter ended up seeing that video, all right. and then was like, "Yeah, that sounds good." All right, we're skipping it. Here we go. I'm pausing it real quick at 9:43 or 9:45. Or 946. Good job. Good job. Um, I'm pausing it real quick just to point out the fact that I ran away to go um, get another beverage while this was playing. And I just told, I gave Kit a signal and all his, all his re response was, mm, yeah. Now, like, you weren't doing none of that while we were watching all of this. Yeah. I was, uh, just because I had, to, <laughs> I had to cover up for all the noises that you make. This I had to good. do double, double right. the work. All right, all right. Three, two, at 9.46. Three, two, one. During his early 20s, Mick Foley relentlessly pursued his dream of becoming a professional wrestler. He attended matches. He watched countless hours of televised battles. We all liked it, but he was over the Televised game. battles. Like, come over, let's watch these matches. I've taped 17 hours of wrestling. Let's go over and watch every little match. Wow. Wrestling was in his blood. The spectacle, the attention. I'm starting the to see him now. Fully wanted it badly. I can remember telling my parents, you know, when is he going to give this up? You know, he's obviously he's not. It's it's not going to amount to anything. And uh, I, I never Ooh. thought he was going to make it. Wow. Born with the greatest genetics in terms of physique and things of that nature. Damn, we all started uh, so a backyard, yeah, huh? Right. Some of of what the physique guys do. You know, he's not necessarily nice to look at, although he really is underneath all of that. It turned out the film Foley made when he was 18 Why is would he be wrestling? his big break. A, speedo guy. a copy of the home movie had made its way to wrestling promoter Tommy D. He thought he just discovered the next big star. <laughs> Didn't realize that I, did. I had like a half a thimble full of actual talent. You know, it takes a lot more to, uh, to be a wrestler <laughs> just to dive off Danny Zucker's roof. Tommy D told his friend, wrestling coach, and former professional wrestler Dominic DiNucci about Foley. 
Shout out Tommy D, though. If it wasn't for him, right? there'd be no Mick Foley. Agreed to meet with Foley, but wasn't sure that Mick had the skills to make it as a professional. What Foley lacked in skill, he made up for in determination. Yeah. Danucci agreed to take him on as a student under one condition. He honor his family's wishes that he stay in college. Hey. Wow. So, Mick, you know, one thing I want you to please continue and get an education. So that if something doesn't go as well as you hope it might go, that you'll have something to fall back on. And he kept his part of the part of the deal. That's legit. The requirement was a tough one. Foley was pursuing a communications degree at Cortland College in upstate New York. I'm pausing. That's crazy, dude. We're gonna we're, this is gonna end up being seven parts of uh, nah, bro. Nah, I know, bro. But listen, bro. Like, there's so many similarities, yeah. though. Like, like when you see the guys that have actually done the shit, mm -hmm. and then you see how we kind of like started our thing. You know, like, like I I wanted to go to college to do communications, bro. That's insane, <laughs> right? bro. We both started with the backyard crap, bro. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. All right, I'm pressing play, 11.57, three, two, one. school was in Erie, Pennsylvania, a five-hour drive away. Ooh, he Foley did the drives. On Friday night, drive to wrestling school and sleep in his car until the doors opened. Sometime he was taking the old road, but it was long, five, six hours to come in. It was very, very hard. But he was never complaining. Never complain. And when he's sleeping in the car under the snow, he look like a bear when he got up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and many, many times, I said, geez, why don't you come to my house? He said, yeah, but I arrive here five o'clock in the morning. I said, what's the difference? I can't state enough just how helpful Dominic was. And wow. Life. Mm -hmm. That was terrible. And uh, but he wanted to seem to be a success. He knew how, how much I wanted it. Uh, he knew That's that so I was dope. Right? in my car. Mickey never quit. He always did, and I mean, and he was fighting. And a lot of time, I was beating the hell out of him. <laughs> we got an ad. That's 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 fuck. That's crazy. Right? That is awesome, dude. Six, five to six hour drives, and you know when they say that this guy wanted him to be successful, you know, what do you think? What do you think that guy's version of successful as a pro wrestler was? Making it all the way or just, ah, yeah, I can get this guy on the indies. Right, right, right. You know? That's crazy. All right, we're pressing play at 13, 6, at 3, 2. You have to, once in a while, you have to punish him. See if they're going to come back the next week. If they come back, they know they have something. The old school way. Having heart. I love that. Look how blown up he is. By the next, the next that day, ring don't bump. Week, <laughs> people people said, complain about the old school uh, way. Let me, uh, mm -hmm. let me see a forearm. So I had Dominic in the corner, and I just reared my forearm back, and I raised my foot for the big stomp, and I came back, you know, <laughs> barely touched him, but I had the big stomp, and I thought, well, that's, you know, I showed him. I know what wrestling's about, and he said, so you think that's a wrestling? I said, yeah. And he turned me around in the corner. He proceeded to pelt my uh, mm. chest with about 15 forearms. And, and I didn't hear any feet stomping the ground, but I heard a whole lot of uh, forearm hitting flesh. And I heard a lot of breath leaving my body. I heard a lot of oohs and ahs. And he said, that, my boy, 
his wrestling. Mm. I will never forget that. Mm. Yeah, he didn't hurt me. He never went out of his way to, to injure me. But he made sure I had a healthy respect for what the guys go through. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To get get hit like a man. Dominic would offer his students as fall guys for professional wrestling matches. You see Dynamite Kid does a snapping quick suplex. Davey Boy Smith. A.K.A. Jobbers. Mm -hmm. Look at him. Look at him. Come on. For two years, Foley learned the tricks of the wrestling trade. How to fall, take a punch, and get tossed into the ropes. After finishing college wow. and his training with okay. Danucci, Foley headed out on the road as a professional wrestler. There we go. After finishing college and his training with wrestling mentor Dominic Danucci, Mick Foley headed out on the road. The small Midwest venues were a far cry from Madison the Square Indies, Garden. The Indies, baby. Yes, sir. It's like, congratulations, you've now earned the right to star. And it was, I mean, we'd get our checks every Wednesday in Evansville. It would be 100 people in the audience. And it was a real dingy, mm. dark arena. And uh, <laughs> it was not a fun time. Wow. But Foley refused to give up. He was determined to become the most extreme wrestler ever. It was the start mm. of hardcore right. wrestling, requiring like severe violence and intense pain. To accomplish his goal, Foley needed to create a more ominous persona and Cactus Jack was born. The story, the way I remember it, and I'm just bumping and sure feeding like that. It is, is during basketball games during high school. Mick's dad, as the athletic director, would stand against the wall, and he would just stand there and not move. And he was big and thick, and he would put his hands by his side, and he looked like a cactus. And we would always say, "Look, it's Cactus Jack. It's Cactus Jack." <laughs> oh, damn! It was just an attempt to see if one of my friends. Uh, Namely, Danny Zucker could come over and uh, and say, "Hey, how's it going, Cactus Jack?" and look at my dad's facial expression. After one that's, of his early matches against the Dynamite Kid, his parents woke up to the harsh realization that the blood of professional wrestling was real. It was a month before I could chew food again. Uh, they gave me a concussion, uh, tore a ligament in my jaw. I wow. showed up the next day in Hartford, and uh, my parents had, were waiting for me outside the building. My mom was smiling because she thought, like everybody, that uh, nobody got hurt in pro wrestling. And they took one look at my eyes, and uh, they could see that uh, the lights were on, but no one was home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think my mom has enjoyed watching a match since then. In 1989, his life would I can relate change, to that one. not right. because of a lucky break in wrestling, but in love. I worked for Tommy D at Riverhead Raceway in Long Island, and I saw a beautiful woman sitting there watching the races. Being the gutless coward I was, I didn't go up and say hello. I asked some a trucker who was a wrestling fan if he would uh, if he would make an introduction. And I guess uh, the beautiful young lady said, "Who's Captain Jack?" You know. So, Captain uh, I went Jack. Right. Uh, I guess three days later, we had our first date. And uh, that was Colette. They were married a year later. So you know and they diverse. Colette wasn't a wrestling mm -hmm. fan, she knew her husband could do more than be the fall guy for bigger stars. The nice thing about my relationship is I know she didn't marry me for my name because she didn't even know what it was. <laughs> and she didn't marry me for my money because there was none of that either. <laughs> uh, we got an ad. That was funny. <laughs> that was uh, good. All right, we're skipping it. 
and hold on, pausing. That that that's a. Uh, <laughs> That was wild. Yeah, I ain't even gonna lie. That's, that was that was two minutes of like a little bit of a roller coaster right there. Yeah, man. You know, like the the parents' response to what pro wrestling really is. Right, right, right. And 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 I hope like for for any of the because I know some of the next gen students listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope y'all find this like educational as well because I'm finding this educational oh, yeah. as hell because I'm starting to notice that every persona that cat that uh, Mick Foley like designed. All had a valid base story, right? Because of some stuff that happened in his real life, and he and he took that and turned it into something, right? You know, and we know that a lot of guys at Next Gen kind of struggle with like finding who they are, finding their gimmick, you finding know, that, finding that character that they believe in, right? And yes. I feel like this, this watching this, or if they they hear this, mm-hmm. like it's it's valuable, like information, yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. All right, we're pressing play at 18.04 and three, two, one. Uh, but she was able to look at my matches and I thought they were great. And for and by and large, wrestling fans thought they were great. And she said, you're better than that. You know, is that mm. the way you want to be remembered as a guy that slapped around? And I went, yeah, I never really thought of it that way. So we made a conscious effort to make Cactus Jack a monster. You know, and, uh, this girl when I returned to WCW and brought him to a new level. You know, I was said you can I do was better. A monster, you know, I still didn't have any muscles, but people feared me. Foley would ride the sinister Cactus Jack character throughout the first half of the 1990s as a member of the World Championship Wrestling Organization. That would change in 1995 when Foley decided to become an independent. I just felt like if I stayed there, I was in a dead end. And uh, I felt trapped there. So uh, I gave my notice, and I walked out of my six-figure job without telling my wife and with a five-month-old baby. Wow. And uh, wow. I went my own way. And uh, he bet on himself. slept on the couch for about a week because of it. But uh, I was actually able to make Cactus Jack Ooh. a bigger name independently than I had been working for a national company like WCW. <gasps> Oh my God! Hard work, sacrifice, and uh, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, and uh, and a couple tears. If he was going to make it to the top of the professional wrestling world, he had to do it on his own. Mm -hmm. Foley kept going. He agreed to wrestle anywhere, anytime. Terry Funk again. The place was an arena in Japan. Foley and his friend Terry Funk put on a wrestling match that fans would not soon forget. In a ring encircled with barbed wire, they decimated each other. He loved taking that, huh? Right? That was a bump for him. With chairs. With fire. With chairs that are on fire until both men laid bloodied and broken. But what Foley didn't know was that taking the risk would pay off in ways even he never dreamed possible. Oh, Mankind, shit. Foley's disturbed wild child from hell was about to be born. Ooh. The dub's about to call him. In 1996, Mick Foley was pursuing his wrestling career as an independent. Without the backing of a major organization. Within a year, 
he caught the attention of officials at the World Wrestling Federation, the WWF, the sport's top touring company. When I first saw Mick performing, he would do these daring things, and sometimes it was like I would watch and say, oh, this guy is, must be absolutely insane. And as a matter of fact, uh, he would do things that were so risky, I thought, that it's like, I don't even know if I ever want to meet this guy, much less <laughs> have him on our roster. <laughs> oh, my goodness. McMahon liked Dang. Foley's style, but not the Cactus Jack character. Mm. He told Foley he wanted him to be a part of the WWF, but he needed a new look. The WWF staff fitted Foley with a Hannibal Lecter-style mask, once used by The Undertaker when he had fractured a bone in his face. Wow. Oh. I didn't... Hold up. Pause that real quick. He's I a, did not know that. Yeah, that, that's, that's new facts for me, too. Wow, so that mask they gave to Undertaker? So they must have had something very similar to it. Yeah. And then they must have just been like, hey, you know what? This look kind of works if we were to create a new character and... They must have made another one to fit Mick. That's crazy. All right. Apparently, Press and play. Well, go ahead. Apparently, he had that mask for like ever. And he's like, it was a great mask, but it started to smell real quick. <laughs> I bet, dude. I bet. <laughs> yeah, All right. We're pressing play at 2149 and 321. Play. McMahon to come up with a name for his character. The WWF leader said the league had crushers, destroyers, and bruisers, mm. but never a mutilator. Mm. Yeah, I know, especially right during there, that time. Right. career sliding down the tubes, you know, the mutilator. And the mutilator. Said, and call you Mason the mutilator. When he asked That's me what ass. I thought, I told probably the biggest lie of my life. I like it. All the while, I was uh, looking for a backup. And uh, just somewhere in my mind, I came up with, Vince, what about mankind the mutilator? And he said, I'm not sure I understand. And I said, well, it's like a double meaning. I could talk about the destruction of mankind and the future of mankind. And he said, uh, I like it. And uh, that was the last that was said about it until my debut with the WWF. And I came out and I was mankind. I guess he liked it enough. They scrapped the mutilator. Mm -hmm. Wow. The mankind right? character was grotesque. That's awesome. He dressed in rags. He talked of being raised in a basement with rats. He ate worms. He was repulsive both in and out of the ring. Probably not. Do you think girls wanted to kiss a boy who had worms on his breath? I'm a good kisser! He raised the level one more time wow. as mankind. The yeah. things that he came in and, and, and did is just, you know, I hate to keep going back to that, but it did, really that's the one thing that stands out in my mind is the trauma that he inflicts on himself for the love of this, of this business, I guess. Unless there is some kind of demon inside of him that says, you know, you need to go out every night and get the living mm. hell beat out of you. And not just that, but like, he used some other stuff from his, you know, like other gimmicks. Right. That's, that's amazing. The clowns piling into the backseat of a Pinto, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe my role in that is I'm the guy who gets shot out of the, uh, the cannon. The fans responded. Mankind soon became a favorite of the WWF circuit. His interviews were notorious. You make me sick, a man of integrity. I'm going to smack you. Mankind developed his own yeah, special his... move, the mandible claw. He His promos were two nuts. Fingers down the throat of an opponent, causing them to gag into unconsciousness. 
The claw led to one of Foley's most memorable creations, a dirty sock puppet named Mr. Mr. Socko. Socko. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mr. Socko was born during a bit when mankind visited the injured Vince McMahon in the hospital. I went into my tights, came out with Mr. Sacco, and crawled underneath Vince's bed and proceeded to do the worst ventriloquist act of all time, which therefore made it the best ventriloquist act of all time. If it had been good, people would have hated it. Say hello to Mr. Sacco. Mr. Sacco knows you've been feeling mighty bad, so he's going to give your boo-boo a big hey, nurse. kiss. <laughs> You're going to what? Hey, hey, ah! No, Mick, please. Please, just Mr. leave. Mr. Sacco! Please leave, please. <laughs> Damn it, leave. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. goodness. <laughs> he kind of sealed Mr. Sacco's fate when he turned to the camera and went, Mr. Sacco. Mr. Sacco. And uh, the next day I showed up at television tapings and there were Mr. Sacco signs. <laughs> yeah, there were right. Mr. Sacco chants. Anything, and it dude. Suddenly right? became Great. the biggest thing I had ever done, and it was completely by accident. Yep. As small as that idea. That's is, how it freaking works, mm -hmm. man. Um, it, it's it's meant uh, the world in in terms of millions of dollars, marketing wise, and and things like that. So, uh, Rock's hat goes off to him and his little bitty sock. I guess <laughs> maybe one of the voices in his head or whatever it is has told him to, you know. I don't know if one day he lost his 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 leather covering and had to resort to whatever he could find. I guess he had to put something over his hand, so he pulled a sock off. And ever since then, now it's uh, he gets out there, and if they're not yelling mankind, they're yelling socko. This All right, I'm gonna pause it real quick. Go into his We're at 26, 24. Isn't that Ooh, something, dude? Right? Isn't that freaking something? How like? <laughs> How in this business, the stuff that happens by accident mm. is the stuff that really like that happens to get over, happens to get over, but like really gets you off, takes right. you off, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think I, I pretty much I don't know if I said this story on the pod, but like that's kind of how like the yes sir. That's exactly how yes sir happened. Resonate, you know, uh, originated. You Drop know, the story. Drop the story. Uh, just in case we haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was my. I think it was like my first dub. It was my first dub. I was supposed to work uh, Cassius Hall. I ended up working Keon. Mm -hmm. Me and Keon come. We do this match. I'm coming out. I'm all hyped because, you know, I'm like, yeah, man, this is lit. You know, the crowd at this point were already get, starting to get behind me. You know, uh, so I'm on the, I'm on the, in the middle of my entrance on the turnbuckle. Ah, I jump off mm -hmm. and I mistime it and I like, Already stiffened up by the time I hit the by the time I hit the mat. Right. The mat rebounds, bro. I hyperextend my right knee, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh Ooh. shoot!" And like it was funny because Brian Malonis was in the back watching watching this, and like he told me this after he was like, "When I saw that, I was like, yo, did he just hurt himself?'" <laughs> everybody man, said that. Everybody thought that. They were like, "Damn, did money just hurt himself?" Did this man just get injured during his entrance? Right, dude. So I go down. I'm like, boom. I felt that. I was like, shit. <laughs> so I go down to one knee in the corner, and he goes and check. The referee checks Keon. The referee comes to me, and as soon as the as soon as I went down on, on a knee because I hurt so bad, right. Ref comes up to me. Oh, you good? And I was like, yes, sir. And, and then this you one, had to stand up. You had, I had to, stand. to stand up. I stand up. Yes, sir. And this one kid said, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. 
And then immediately everybody said, yes, sir. And then right then, right there, I was like, I wasn't even planning on no, that. No, I was like, I have to play to this. So during that match, I started doing stuff. And in between my moves, I was like, yes, sir. And the crowd started. And then the, yes, sir, became my thing. Dude, dude, trust me, because I remember this because you and I were talking about things, you know, trying to get certain things yeah because you was what, trying to get love and energy i was the crowd to be like love and energy desperately trying to get love and energy over and it just wasn't happening and you started talking about like you were thinking about like a couple of different mottos i can't even remember what happened yeah yeah now. yeah i was like there was this one because i was calling myself the main shooter so i'm like all right the main shooter don't miss yeah right you, I, had, you had things like that you you had a couple of i other had a ones, few other ones and uh just i just remember you coming back and you're like, man, I hurt my knee. I hurt my knee. Did you hear that yes sir thing though? Yeah. <laughs> like you got so excited and I'm just looking at you like this motherfucker. I'm like, I was so proud of you, but I was also really pissed off. I was legitimately mad. All right, guys, we're going to kind of start wrapping it up here. We're going to make this a two-parter. Yeah. Um, we're already halfway through the documentary. I just didn't want to go through the whole documentary, especially with the pause. I didn't want to make it a really long episode. Yeah. And I think it's this has been really cool and really fun to watch, and I think it's going to be a really awesome two-parter. Um, and I think it was very valuable knowledge. Super educational. Like, there's so much stuff that me watching this here, I'm like, damn, I didn't know. And then, like, mm -hmm. seeing some of the old footage of, like, when that footage dropped, I was like one years old like a right. couple months old you know what i'm saying <laughs> yep. so like i've never really sat down and watched this or saw any of that right. type of footage i mean mick foley was wrestling before you were born nah yeah and then even that like i i knew m of his story a yeah. little bit but like i never there's some stuff that's dropping here that i'm like damn i didn't know and i could relate so much mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so that that was really fun and i hope you guys are finding it enjoyable and valuable for guys that are trying to take it as an educational thing yeah um but I think I'm I'm liking this, man. Yeah, this is actually really fun. Um, uh, we are actually one of the things I'm going to go ahead and say is, you know, if you guys, uh, all you lovelies out there, are enjoying this watch along, give us some other suggestions. You know, doesn't even have to be wrestling related. Yeah, it does not. Like we just we kind of just came off the cuff here because it, it was snowing and yeah. like we, it was kind of lazy day, so we was like. We did All hit right. the gym, though. Yeah, we hit the gym. We hit the gym. We, we made sure good. we got productive we first. We looking good. You know, I'm trying to look right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you guys have any recommendations for us to watch, man, we'd be more than happy to have that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Give us some things to look into. But with that being said, mm -hmm. Kid, drop your plugins, man. Well, of course, you can find Kid V on all social medias. That's Pro Res Kid V. That's Res as in wrestling. And of course, on the tick talk red underscore head underscore j hit him up money you can find me on the instagram on the facebook on the tiki talk money aries that's m-a-n-i-a-r-i-e-z and on the x slash tweetaw it's aries underscore money with an s and don't forget to hit up the neighborhood pod you like subscribe there. yeah <laughs> and of course look up for the neighborhood on, on Instagram. Instagram, baby. Yeah. With that being said, y'all show a lot of love and energy. And with any situation, approach it with one model and two goals. That show up and show out. Yes, sir. Hey, yo, love.
lovelies, it is I myself, Kid B, with the heart of thunder, with the main shooter, Monty Aries. You know who it is, it's the guys you love, it is the neighborhood. Alright, here we go! Yeah, hey, it's all good in the neighborhood, hey, break bread in the neighborhood, hey, lunch stays in the neighborhood, shoot shots all day in the neighborhood. Yeah.